0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's French Open semi-finals catch-up. Rafa Nadar wins as Sasha Zverev is forced to retire. Kasparu defeats Marin Cilic for a maiden slam final.
1: And Igor Swiatek sets up a showdown with Coco Gold.
0: Kim, Today is the 4th of June and we are here to catch up on the semi-finals at the French Open at Passing Shot HQ. We have had some very interesting matches over the last couple of days in the ladies' semi-finals and the men's semi-finals. In particular, yesterday, we had obviously Zverev's really bad looking injury on the court. We had also a protester run onto the court during Rude and Chilich's match. So, as much as I want to talk about the tennis, I feel like this episode, we're not as much going to be talking about the tennis. And again, it just feels like this tournament is becoming one big headache for the, the tournament director, Amelie Moresmo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was watching the uh, the semis yesterday and that Rafa Zverev match, you know, if, if it hadn't have ended the way it did, which is obviously a very really unfortunate, nasty way for the match to end, you know, if anyone hasn't seen Zverev's you know, sort of freak accident. Um, You know, it's quite painful just watching and and listening to it. Um, But that match was, you know, three hours. They hadn't even finished the second set. So, you know, (laughs) Chilich and Rude must have been preparing to basically play a night match, although they weren't scheduled as the night match because it was potentially going to be, you know, the, the longest match of the tournament. I mean, I was just sort of thinking. I, I don't think we've ever seen two sets of tennis that have been as long no. as, as either of those. And I mean, it wasn't we, even two
0: completed sets. We, no, it wasn't. It was wasn't. We were still I mean... going into a tie break. And yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you you don't ex- you don't expect that. I mean, it shows. I think how slow the conditions were. They were they were playing under a roof due to the the weather conditions outside. But the fact, Kim, that Nadal Zverev was longer than Rude Chilich, in its entirety, I think, tells you how attritional, how much of a physical battle that match was. And we only had two incomplete sets of it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really up and down. You know, Zverev got off to a, a cracking mm. start, was playing really, really great tennis. And, uh, you know, arguably should have won that first set. But Rafa was able oh, to time. get that break back. And Rafa had like three set points at 5-4. It all ended up going to a tie break in the end. Zverev had four set points in a row and the tie break. Rafa managed to peg peg it back um, and then managed to, you know, clinch that that set finally after, you know, 90 minutes and, You know, as a Rafa fan, I was thinking, oh, thank God for that, because you don't want to be putting on 90 minutes of effort, you know, in those conditions. It was very humid with the roof shut. You know, Rafa was sweating like an absolute pig, as he often does, (laughs) but it was really extreme. Um, And you don't want to put in that much work to not come away with, with the set. So... Um, and then we went into the second set, which I think was one of the strangest, weirdest sets of tennis I've seen in a while. Uh, you know, Rafa lost serve four times in a row. And I can't remember the last time I've seen that happen. Uh, it was sort of break central, you know, that no one could hold serve, basically. Um, and we ended up going into another tie break. Well, just going into the tie break when this, you know, awful incident happened where Zverev kind of rolled on his ankle um, as he went to to hit hit a shot back. and. Um, yeah in instant agony you know crying out on the court it did not look good and you know he had to go off in a wheelchair and and you know we were sort of waiting to see what the situation was going to be but you know eventually what, five minutes later he comes back on in crutch you know on crutches to retire so obviously I think Rafa will be quite relieved that's not the way you want to to go through to a Grand Slam final of course but you know, on his was a... birthday as well yeah exactly on his birthday his 36th birthday I don't think he would have been celebrating an awful lot because that match was hard going and you know he's got this foot injury that we know about which is causing him a lot of grief himself and you don't want to win a match through an awful injury to your opponent so it was yeah it was a bit subdued uh, not really celebratory in the usual way um, but you know it's kind of yeah we've, we've got that semi-final done uh Very, you know, a lot of luck uh, for Rafa there to come through that. Um, And, you know, terrible luck for Zverev. I do hope that it's not as serious as it maybe looks and that he, it's not going to be, you know, like a season ending injury. But I guess, you know, he needs to be seen and we'll, we'll wait news from, from Team Zverev.
0: Yeah. It was uh, not, it was not good to see. Um, It was obviously very, I think, upsetting to see, you know, such a, such an amazing, you know, there was really good quality tennis being played and it was just very abruptly cut short. And it doesn't feel like we normally, we ever really get these high profile, you know, retirements mid match because of injury. Um, You know, I always the sort of, when I was kind of watching it, I felt that the, you know, it reminded me first of all of uh, Bethany Matic Sands at Wimbledon, the, the, when she injured herself and she kind of cried out in pain and, and you could see in with Zverev that, you know, he was in trouble, as soon as he went to the ground, you know, he's rolling around in the dirt. Um, It was, uh, you know, it was pretty bad. And uh, I was really kind of happy almost with how the the reaction was because there was, you know, Rafa was going over, the doctor or whoever it was was rushing onto the court as well. So I was glad that there was sort of an instant, you know, reaction to the situation because it did come at the end of the game and everyone was applauding. And in the sort of moment, there was like, I think from the fan point of view, it was like, OK, yeah, getting ready for, uh, you know, for a tie break. But uh, it was good to see, I think, that sort of response happen, because I think in times in the past, particularly I think about that, that Bethany, Bethany Matic Sands incident, there was just a lot of people just standing about doing nothing and we were sort of waiting and waiting and still waiting for for something to, to happen, for you know, med- medical attention to arrive. So it was good to see, I think, that sort of urgency happen because there have been kind of times in this tournament where you know we've not seen that 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 sort of level of alertness, I think, in particular. And we'll come on to it in the the Rude Chilich match where a it seemed like a you know a protester was seemingly just able to walk onto the court, tie herself to the net. And nothing happened for about twenty seconds. So it was actually great to see. I think, although it was a bad, you know, a bad situation for for Zverev, it was great to see. I think people being alert, and uh, you know, it was great also also to see Rafa. You know, as much as you know, he would have wanted to obviously get through to the final in the you know in the honest way in the in the way of uh, a full match. Um, it was great to see him support Zverev as well, going back into the uh, the locker room, coming out again. You know, it was a real sad sight, but at the same time, it was like handled in the right way.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's very, or hopefully draw positives from the way he was playing today. You know, he really Mm, stuck with Rafa and, you know, often we see him at slams I, you know, he hasn't historically been able to beat top 10 players at slams. He, he did that for the first time against Alcaraz and he was, he was close, you know, he, um, Apart from the odd few moments where he threw in, you know, double faults, I would say that's you know very much sort of very, very old. Um, I think you know I was very impressed with his level. Um, I don't necessarily think you know although he had those four set points in in that first set die break, I wouldn't say he necessarily choked. I think Rafa just upped his level when it when push came to shove. Those those critical. Moments you could tell that Rafa, like in the second set, you know he hadn't held serve all set. And then when it really mattered, when Zverev was uh, essentially, you know, if he'd have broken, he would have won that second set. Rafa was able to hold for the first time in the set. So um, I think it was just a, it was a very weird match. I didn't enjoy it, I have to say. It, it was I felt very stressed watching it, and then it was a stressful ending as well. And you know, again, we we talk about the scheduling. You know, although it's a three p.m. start. Is that too late when, you, you know, you know of these five-set men's matches, they can go on and on and on. And, it, it, you know, you might have had further ramifications if it hadn't have ended when it did for Rude and Chilich. You know, that could have then ended up finishing super late, which would have potentially knock-on effects for Sunday's final.
0: Especially because they're separate tickets for each of the semi-finals. Again, another probably way for the French Open to to make money. But, uh you know, that would have added, like, an you know an extra hour or so, I think, to you know get one crowd out and another crowd in. And when you're yeah, when you're starting your match at, at three p.m. for the first semi final, you do you do run run that risk. And, and Kim, I feel like the only maybe along with Nadal, the only other person who was probably relieved that that match ended the way it did was Amelie Moresmo because as you said, we could have been going or starting really really late for you know the rude Chilich match might as effectively as well been a night session match but um, yeah it wasn't uh, you know again I think there's things to be looked at there in terms of when that start time is for the semi-final and I know there are a lot of people also talking about the you know the conditions and whether they had an impact on the court and made it dangerous and as a result we got the you know this this really nasty injury to, to Zverev and um you know it's interesting to hear Rafa say look you know I've played in worse conditions you know he played Federer in, <laughs> during a hurricane uh you know a few a few years ago <laughs> um but you know he he said that he didn't think the conditions were too bad he, he just sort of said it was an accident more than more than anything but you know you've got to think that these conditions still can work they were really tough to play in. It's, it's not just kind of like, let's put the roof on and make and just get the players out and they can play a tennis match. This was this was very, very hard work. You know, very dense, very dense clay. Really, I think suited, obviously, Zverev's flatter approach to, to tennis, in particular with his serving. And because of that density, it, do, it didn't feel like maybe the players could slide as naturally as perhaps they could, you know, during, you know, if, if the roof was open. And it was a typical kind of day match. And, you know, there are suggestions that that sort of was one of the reasons potentially that that led to, you know, Zverev's injury. But again, it's just, it was just very, very attritional and almost too slow, I think, for the players to play in really, really hard. And you're just asking for trouble when you're having a 3pm start on seriously slow tennis courts. Doesn't help. And I think, you know, the fans... As well, you know, they could have been in for a, you know, a very very long match, but it could have been a detriment potentially. I think to the, you know, to the final, given given how much tennis we had played and not had two complete sets.
1: Yeah. And I think Rafa will be relieved, you know, from the purposes of his foot that it didn't Mm. go beyond the three hour mark, um, you know, because his foot is not good. Um, There's rumours that he will take a break after Roland Garros and, you know, skip the grass court season and, and perhaps beyond, you know, to rest his foot. Um, you know, of of course, if he does win on Sunday, you know he he would have won the first two slams of the year, and people were saying, oh, but he could, you know, have the potential to to get the calendar year Grand Slam. But you know, Rafa's come out and said that at the end of the day, the foot is the the main thing. Like he said, he would actually prefer to lose Sunday's final if it meant that you know he could get a new foot and essentially get rid of this pain that he's in and and enjoy his life with with a, a new foot, but um you know, obviously he's going to be going for the title, but it puts into perspective, doesn't it, how much mm. of an impact this injury yes. has on his whole life. Um So I think it's probably a wise move for him to to skip the grass court season. I think that's that's likely. Um But also, Joel, it does mean um with this kind of result today, uh Zverev retiring uh, in the semi-final, it means Medvedev becomes the world number one again uh, on the 13th of June. Uh, but it also means that Zverev goes up to, To two in the world. Uh, Obviously Medvedev's not able to play Wimbledon because of the ban on Russian players. So if Zverev is able to play at Wimbledon, if his ankle has recovered, which we'll, we'll have to wait and see, it means he would be the top seed there at Wimbledon, which will be sort of a an interesting change of, of of events but um yeah so changes in the rankings
0: Novak Djokovic down at number three yeah mm-hmm. with with Medvedev and Zverev above I think that it does you know again make it a big shame I think in terms of this match and we didn't get a a real a real conclusion because you know for you know Zara's point of view he was he was you know potentially going to come out of this tournament as the, the you know the world number one and um to have what happened, you know, happened so abruptly, you know, not just, I think in the context of this match, but, you know, arguably in the context of of his career, because, you know, he's been, say he's knocking on the door of, of being world number one. He's knocking on the door of, you know, winning a a grand slam. And again, this will be, this will be a setback. We don't know the, the extent of it and whether it's a, you know, a season ending injury or he could be back for, for Wimbledon. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously not great seeing you know players in in wheelchairs, players in in crutches, and you know we've already seen I think with you know players like Dominic Team coming back from injury. It can be it can be a long um, you know sometimes frustrating, drawn out process. And you know I hope that's not the case for for Zverev because you know he's been playing some fantastic tennis I think over the last few weeks, in particular at Royal Garris, I think he's great. I do think he was helped by the conditions today, you know, mm-hmm. having the, the roof on, you know, Rafa, you know, we know Rafa is like, this is not, you know, this is not conducive to, to my play, but I certainly think it helps Verev. And again, I do think there are questions about how the, the roof is used in terms of the fact that they have it. And, you know, with, with Wimbledon, this, you know, this, this topic came up, a, you know, a few years ago around... You know, is is Roland Garros an outdoor tournament or is it not? Because, you know, the roof stayed on for, you know, the whole, obviously the whole match, but it obviously could have been drawn back as the the weather got got better. And, um, you know, I think there are are questions there in terms of, yeah, what is the role that the kind of, the the roof plays? Because I I just think that as much as (laughs) I think Roland Garros is not a, a night tournament, shouldn't maybe have evening sessions. I also just think that, you shouldn't have the roof on when it isn't needed and for me personally an ideal situation if you can take the roof off in a way that doesn't affect the the match as too much or or leads to such a long delay then arguably i think it could be maybe brought out during matches as opposed to just at just at the end
1: yeah, I think um that the rules state that if a match starts with the roof closed, it will continue that way until mm. the end of the match. Um It's at the referee's discretion if they want to potentially contravene that. But I guess it depends on the intel of the weather forecast. I mean, it does look like uh, Sunday's final will be potentially under the roof. I think at the moment, rain is forecast in Paris around 4 p.m.
0: Uh Then play the final at 10 a.m.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's nice and sunny then. Uh, that will help Rafa, but I mean let's talk about the final because Rafa will be playing Casper Ruud in that final. Um he came through against Marin Cilic in four sets. Uh in a match that yeah was was less uh, time on court than than the zverev Rafa curtailed match. Um so it was 3-6 6-4 6-2 6-2 uh, to Casper This was for me a somewhat surprising scoreline. I I genuinely thought that Cilic would be the favourite for this match, given the way that he was serving um, in his previous matches. And I don't know, I, I just thought if, if it was going to be a Rude victory, there would be at least maybe some tie breaks in there or, or what have you. But I think really, especially from that second set onward, um, you know, Chilich just way too many unforced errors, wasn't quite at the races. And Kasper Rude was actually, yeah, out serving Baron uh, Chilich to be quite honest with you. So i Obviously, fantastic for Kasper Ruud. He's the first Norwegian player to now reach a men's Grand Slam final. Um, his backhand was the best it's been, you know, this whole tournament. And uh, he's he's through to face his, his idol um, in the final. You know, he's spoken how much he has always admired Rafa and grown up, you know, watching watching Rafa at this stage. And now he's part of this, like, elite group of people who get to play him at a French Open final, which, you know... you. It's not something that many people can say. So, regardless of what happens, you know, I think Rude will obviously be chuffed a bit. He's got this far, and um, he's actually been training quite a bit at Rafa's academy and over the last couple of years. So, benefiting, I guess, from all the expertise and uh, facilities out in uh, Manacor. But yeah, it's going to be an intriguing match up. They've never actually played before, so um, I'm, yeah, I don't know what to expect really. <laughs>
0: It'll be a fascinating counter. I do sort I do sort of think if, if Chilich had got to the final, he would have potentially been a more of a sterner test for Nadal, given, you know, Rude's, you know, lack of experience at this you know, at this level. But you know, it is amazing for him to have reached um you know Grand Slam final. Um, you know, the win against Chilich, he really upped his level particularly in, in sets two, three, and four. And um ultimately he ran out like an an easy an easy victor. And and Cilic, I think he had over fifty unforced errors. His serving, you know, I think was the real backbone of some of his standout victories, you know, this tournament so far against Rublev and also against Medvedev. But Kasparud, I feel like he he is just beating the players that he is expected to beat. And you know he is a very Very, very good clay court player. We've seen that before, and he's very much, I think, transitioned that from best of three to best of five set format. And you know, working with you know his dad, all that experience, his you know his training, I think he's just upped his his level and the way he's been playing tennis, particularly. I think in the speed department, you can tell. I think he has more work on the ball now. It's a higher sort of base level, and I think that is what makes him such a you know, compelling player to watch in the sense of he's got great, great mobility. And um, I think has got a very consistent set of strokes, um, you know, to him. And I think Chilich certainly, I think, was targeting that backhand, keeping it away from the the forehand, from the the baseline. But I think the backhand stood up better than I think Chilich was expecting. And um, Mm. it really, uh, I think, helped uh, Rude sort of stay in the rallies. And when they were Becoming more and more extended, it just felt that kind of Rude, yeah, you know, was coming out the victor and Chilich didn't really have an answer to it. But um yeah, it was a good it was a good win for Rude. It was Kim though, with controversy because there was a protester that came out onto the court, tied themselves to the net, wearing a t-shirt that said, We have 1028 days left. I think it's to do with some sort of environmental campaigning. But but to be honest, I'm not really bothered about that. I'm more concerned about how the fact, how the fact that some stranger, some randomer was able to just jump the, the boundary between fans and and professionals and was just able so easily to just get onto the court and do something. And we know tennis has had a you know history of this, sadly to say, and it annoys me. It angers me that again we've had this got this situation where this person just came on did her thing for for 20 seconds before anything was really done about it.
1: Yeah, it always makes you think of that Monica Seles, you mm. know, stabbing, which is, I guess, the most extreme example. But yeah, I mean, I assume this person was was in the crowd and had a ticket and had always like planned to do this. Why they did it during the second match and not maybe the earlier match, which is probably, you know, higher profile, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, from Dernier Renovation, uh, which are a sort of protest organization demanding zero carbon renovation of all homes in France so a bit like the protesters I guess we had in the UK last year who were blocking like the motorways and and what have you Um, you know we we do see a lot of these protests these days don't we but yeah the worrying thing is why was this not picked up by the security and they also sort of once she had chained herself to the net, you know there was a bit of a delay before anything was actually done. So
0: yeah, the players not, went off court.
1: Yeah, it's just you know we'd already had that shocking moment with with Zverev injury, then we get this. So it just seemed like it was a day of of shocks and dramas on on Philippe Chatrier. So let's hope that there isn't any further incidents like this. It, you know, it has been known to happen before, but
0: I think Amelie Moresbe will be praying for no more you know controversies that really don't look good, I think, on the running of the you know, the French Open Tournament because there seems to be a lot of things we're talking about that aren't are the tennis, you know, in the in the last couple of weeks, whether that's late starts, evening sessions, protesters running onto a tennis court. I mean, I was watching I can't remember which Rafa match it was, but there was a Rafa match earlier on in the tournament where a kid uh, was able to get on the court, I remember, at the end of the match and yeah, you know, it was all very nice, and, and and Rafa was very complimentary, and was like, you know, it was, an, it was a touching moment. But uh, you know, at the end of the match with the the, the kid coming on, um, I think asking for like a headband or something. But again, it just should not. It, I know it it looks nice and it's great for the TV cameras, but it just should not be. It just should not be happening because who's to say that person couldn't be some. Deranged fan, or or have a you know maybe even dare I say a weapon on them or or, or something like it, it just should not be happening. And I hope that they do bulk up security for the you know the final. I think they're going to need to be more alert in terms of what happens. I think it was a bit strange that she chose the chillich Rude match. I mean, I don't know if she felt that you know oh this match was boring. Let's make it interesting. <laughs> let's, do, let's do it here. But yeah, certainly I think if I was targeting a match as a protester. Well, I'd be looking at the final more than anything, but certainly no one's going to... There's going to be less eyeballs on you if you're doing it during, I think, Chilich rude versus uh, when you've just had uh, Zverev-Nadal.
1: I mean, it's not the first time that Rude has been involved in some controversy. Obviously, not that he was involved in this one, but it just so happened Mm. to be taking place during his match. But after the uh, quarterfinal with Holger Rune, um, Rune came out and, and claimed that Rude had confronted him uh, in the locker room, I think after their their quarterfinal, something which Rude has very much denied. Um, so a bit of like potential aggro. Um, I don't know if this is Holger claiming something that didn't happen. I, I don't know. It's I don't know what to believe, but it's all a bit random it's all a bit unnecessary muddled,
0: isn't it? it's like <laughs> it was sort of spiraled i think from you know from their handshake and again listeners if if you want to have have a look just yeah type in rude rune handshake and i'm sure it'll come up and you could judge for yourself but uh yeah rune's handshake was not the was not the most forthcoming shall we say and uh rude had uh, a bit of a look about him afterwards Uh, with Rune in front of him where he was sort of thinking come on show me a bit more respect than that mate and um, yeah it's sort of transpired potentially that there were things going on in the background but they've come both come out on social media now and have said it's all kind of water under the bridge and you know good luck you know for the rest of the tournament from from Rune to Rude so I think it's all been settled now but certainly I think in the moment I to be honest think Rune maybe could have handled himself better in in defeat i get that you know he would have felt that that was an opportunity and he would have been annoyed that he didn't make the you know the most of it going down in in four sets but yeah i certainly think he can look at how he conducts himself at the net and be able to have more i think grace and humility in terms of accepting defeat because i i do look at that even though there's all these kind of rumors going on about what happened in the room if we look at the visuals and look at how that handshake happened yeah i I do think that 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 rune should have been able to have conducted himself in a better way
1: yeah i think he's still quite young and inexperienced, isn't he so i think he will i'm sure grow up but um you know he came out afterwards with a social media post you know to sort of um summarize and and finish up to try and diffuse the situation i suppose so um yeah a bit 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 weird i don't really know what was going on there but a bit of bit of possible aggro. Um, just actually thinking, uh, Nick Kyrgios will be delighted, I'm sure, that Casper rude has got <laughs> a, a maiden slam. I mean, final. his tweets
0: are aging better by the day, yeah, aren't they? Uh, about Casper <laughs> Ruud. But uh, uh, yeah, it will be. Uh, you know, we've got a Ruud versus Nadal final. Kim, as you said, they've not played each other on the ATP tour so far. They have had some practice sets, and uh, Ruud has has quote has been quoted as saying. There have been some close sets, 7-6, seven, 7-5, seven, but it always goes in his favour. But it's because we are playing in the academy and I want to be nice to him. <laughs> you know, when you are the guest, you need to be a nice guest. So, uh, yeah, I do love, I do love this background, though, that we've got a match where in a final, in a big match, we've got a player who's playing their idol. And I always wonder how this sort of transpires because we've we've seen that i think a little bit with you know alcaraz versus uh nadal and now we've got rude versus nadal and i'm just i'm just hope that rude isn't too sort of starstruck about playing mm-hmm. his idol that he sort of gets rolled over or, or lays out the red carpet for him and actually he puts that to one side and he's like yep yeah, you are my idol and you are the reason you know are the way i play tennis and the way i kind of say conduct myself, but at the same time I'm here to win. I'm here to win a Grand Salmon. Although it's been great to be part of those names like Puerta, Federer, Djokovic, Team, Vavrinka, it would obviously surely be even better to say you are part of a group of one who has beaten Rafael Nadal in a French Open final.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think many people will be thinking the same along the same lines. Oh, will Casparude be uh you know, will he be too nice at the end of the day? Will he be uh, cutthroat enough to, to really seize the moment? We just don't know how he's going to respond. You know, it's his first slam final. Nerves are a wonderful thing or, or you know, or not. Uh, it depends how he's going to react to that. So,
0: Are you worried about Rafa's, you know, the physicality yeah. of, of Rafa's matches? I mean, he's going back to the Felix Alias aliassime match. You know, mm. you know, he played five sets there, long four-hour match with Djokovic, three hours on court against Zverev been a lot of tennis being played with an unsure foot does that factor into the mix as well
1: I think um rude will be thinking this I think the longer it goes on like physically rude is likely to be fresher like he's only 23 doesn't seem to have any injury issues so I I I think Rafa ideally has got to do it quicker and just be on it from the word go and not get embroiled into you know what we saw today with uh, yesterday with Zverev so yeah I mean i Based on experience and the fact that this is new territory for Rude, obviously I've got to go with the the likelihood that, that Rafa is the likely victor. But I think, yeah, the foot may come into it. Physical fitness, you know, we've seen we've seen finals disrupted by things like that before. You know, sad to say, so there is, I think, obviously a possibility that Rude will win.
0: I do think if the roof is on, it's much less of a factor in a match. Against someone like Casper Ruud, who again relies on on heavy spin as part of his game from the you know the back of the court, quite similar, I feel in some ways to to Rafa. So I feel like there's not as big as an advantage as say I think Zverev had against Nadal in in the semis with the 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 roof on versus what Rude potentially would have if the Rude, if sorry if the roof <laughs> uh, if if the roof is on for the final
1: rude under the roof (laughs) yeah (laughs) on on that note let's take a quick break uh but do join us in the second half we'll be discussing all the women's semi-finals action from the french open so do not go anywhere Welcome back to the passing shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by downloadtennis.com. And now we're going to move on to looking back at the women's semi finals from Thursday, uh, which saw both Coco Goff and Iga Sfiontek make their way into the final for a showdown later on today as we're recording this. Um, let's start with the Sfiontek match because she dispatched Dara Kazakina for the loss of just three games. Uh, It was quite one-sided after those kind of first initial games. This is her 34th straight victory now, which uh, she's tied with Serena Williams for the second longest win streak this century. One more match to go and then she would equal Venus's uh, record of 35 straight wins as well back in 2000. Um, But yeah, Svantec on the ball, um, you know, just, everything she did against Kazakina was was better than what Kazakina was doing it, it was just you know very good performance on her serve you know few unforced errors uh, just i mean just dominant really as she's been doing she's the world number 1 Kasatkina obviously first time in the semi-finals wasn't really able to to play her her best game you know too many unforced errors wasn't really keeping up the pace with with Eager. so um i feel like it's it's quite a you know, it's it's a shame that actually both the semifinals weren't particularly competitive, but we've we you know we often see that um, very quick matches. But I think it, it went the way that we were expecting. It went the way of the form book.
0: It's it's hard. I think with with Kasachina when you don't, as I say, you don't have that that X factor. You don't have that weapon that I think can really kind of trouble your opponent. And as a result, you know, when you do come up with against a player who does play aggressive it can it can get really ugly really quickly. And I think, you know, this is what happened in, you know, in this match in the in the semifinal, in the sense of like consistency and getting the ball back in, shot positioning, placement, all that can work really, really well for you. But can it win you a grand slam? And I still don't think it can. It could get you to a semifinal. You know, and Casakino has proved that. But at the end of the day, you're probably going to run into a player who, when they are playing their game and their way, and, you know, they're looking to hit winners and their game is more based on clean striking from the back of the court, aggression. It, it, it normally comes out the victor, particularly when Igor Sviontek is opposite the net from you. And uh, I think Kasikina, you know, she probably thought as hard as she could, but Sviontek was really kind of back to her kind of ruthless best, I think. And, you know, we've not seen that, I think, in the last couple of rounds. You know, there's been a you know few too many arguably kind of breaks of serve and you know she's not been playing as well as you know we saw her i think start in in the competition but i think with this semi-final it's pretty ominous i think in terms of the final given you know the the score line and getting back to that that ruthlessness i think she had when she started the tournament when we were talking about the parisian shviontech bakery is is well and truly open and uh it i think reopened with the semi-final win
1: yeah i think that match against uh, zheng of china that was the sort of the dodgy match wasn't it mm. in the in the fourth round but aside from that you know she hasn't dropped a set and it's it's now going the way that she started the tournament with yeah those set score lines i mean she is going to be facing Coco goff in the final who hasn't dropped a set this whole tournament and she had a very you know straightforward win especially towards the end of the match the first six games were tight with with martina Trevisan. um but after that point you know goff kind of ran away with it winning nine of the last 10 games uh, she came through 6-3 6-1 in the end um, so I mean I'm really pleased for Coco Golf. like obviously she burst onto the scene a couple of years ago and everyone went crazy over her and the last kind of few years she's not been forgotten about obviously but attention has gone elsewhere like Emma Raducanu and um, you know we sort of just golf has been there or thereabouts but never getting to you know this stage of a slam, so it's really nice that she's obviously finally kind of fulfilling that that prophecy almost about you know her potential and her game. Um, and really nice that she's obviously doing this here in Paris as well. Um, the last five games, you know, on serve as well, she was she was extremely dominant. Trevor Sun just didn't really have an answer. She wasn't really able to make any inroads. So Goff was able to to close out the match, you know, very calmly, very comfortably. Didn't really show any sign of nerves. Obviously, come today's final, that might be different. You know, it's her first time at this, uh, this stage of the, of the tournament. So, you know, I don't know what to expect. Um, we've seen her on a big stage perform, you know, at Wimbledon playing, what was it, Venus Williams, when, you know, she kind of got that, that first big win. So we know that she can perform on these stages, but obviously Grand Slam final, Different kettle of fish, um but you know she's it's, it's a young final. You know, Iga Swiatek, she's only twenty-one. sir uh, just turned eighteen, so it's I think it's the youngest, one of the youngest finals um in 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 forever, really. I mean, it and
0: feels, uh, if, if I mean, it feels like a, a you know a theme at, at the moment because we mm. had you know, Fernandez yeah, yeah at the US Open final you know last season, um and we got another sort of really young final in terms of yeah, as you said. Svantec versus Goff and uh it will be I think I think we know the obviously the level Svantec Sh- can play at and is playing at this tournament and for me I think Goff although she's obviously won all her matches so far in in straight sets she's not obviously been tested mm. um you know she's not come up against uh I don't think she's come up against a real top seed in the, in the tournament and you know this will be the first time that happens um you know in in the final and although she's had a few you know tuss, you know tight tussles for periods of time during her matches this tournament you know you think with Schfiunteck today that is going to be you know the situation from the very first point and this is going to be a real it's going to be a real battle I think for for Goff in terms of not just how she handles the the moment and the situation, but I think more importantly, how she handles the player across the net. Because the player across the net, across the net from her is eight one in finals, has not lost a set in a championship match in more than three years. So there's already a kind of a formidable opponent there, and she'll need to focus all the attention she's got on how she unlocks you know Shiontek's game and you know from what I've seen this tournament of golf, she has been playing fantastic from the back of the court particularly I think in terms of defense and that real transition I think from defense into offense and I think she's going to need to be at that sort of counter-attacking best I think to really kind of deal with the shot making capabilities of Shiontek because we just know that she's going to be coming out with angled shots spin shots slice shots a little bit probably like a you know an ash barty and Goff is going to need to be able to be able to deal with all that variety that's going to be thrown her way
1: yeah i think you know the difficulty of playing is she doesn't really have many like obvious flaws in her game you know, she's mentally tough she's she's got all the kind of um you know she's got the, the entire game on the court really great variety and You know, they've played twice before. Svantec's never lost a set to Goff. I think they first played in Rome last year on the clay. um, And then they also played in Miami this year. So um, both cases, Svantec beat her to go and then to go on to win the title. And obviously she's going for her sixth straight title, you know, 35th match win on the trot. I just think, you know, everything points to a Svantec victory. But the only thing could be... I don't know, she might just suddenly have a bad day with with her nerves and um the, all the expectation and the pressure, but we haven't seen her in finals kind of succumb to to nerves. Like no. in finals she's incredibly dominant. You know, she barely loses games. So I've I've got to go with a victory. I mean victory. Kid, head <laughs> head and
0: heart is yeah. <laughs> Iga Schviontek. It would Absolutely. be a real, I think, turn up for the books if, if Coco Goff win. I think it's it's not a surprise for me to see goff in a french open final i think no. her game is very very well suited to the clay and i have no doubt she will be in grand slam finals in the future but it is very very tough to win i think a slam final on your debut you certainly i think need those experiences we've seen that in the women's game we see that certainly in the men's game where you have to almost kind of learn you know, around these moments because they are so unique. They only happen, you know, four times in a season. So it does, to me, feel like Shion Tech's going to have to be having an off day for for Coco Goff to really kind of have a chance. But, you know, I mean, having said that, you know, she, again, very, very handy. I think she is very, very fearless. So I I don't think for me that nerves will be as much of a factor as potentially it might be for someone on their, you know, Grand Mm -hmm. Slam final debut. But um, I think she's going to relish the the opportunity and the moment. You know, her and her uh, her team have been you know obviously been building for this. And yes, she announced herself at, at Wimbledon a few a few years ago. But with this final, I think it just shows that the improvements that she's made, also how open I think that you know the women's draw is. But you know, making the most of that opportunity, getting to a final. You know, she might think about this being like it's never going to have been easier for me to get to a Grand Slam final. So. I need to make the most of it. And yes, Iga Swiatek is is the ultimate like boss battle, like the final like a video game. She's like the final boss, but she's not going to have a better opportunity going in fresh, going in confident with the way she kind of closed out that that semi final against Trevor San. It's still, I think, all to play for.
1: Yeah, and obviously she is actually a Roland Garros champion already. she won the juniors here four mm. years ago? So and she's in she... the doubles. Yeah, she. Yeah, we haven't even spoken about this. She's in the doubles <laughs> final as well, which weirdly happens quite a lot at Roland Garros. Like Krachikova last year won both, I think. Actually, so I mean, let's hope Goff wins one of the finals uh, at least, because I think it's not nice to be runner up twice over. Um, I mean, let's talk about the women's doubles because one of my favorites, Caroline Garcia, is in the final. She is the opposition along with Medvedev. So. They're back together as a team. Obviously, it's going very well. They've won this title before. But yeah, they will have Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula to contend with. So um that's tomorrow after the well, before the men's final, early in the morning. Um but yeah, hopefully Coco will get at least, you know, one winner's trophy. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's interesting because Goff Goff is playing with Pagula because she normally plays with with McNally. Yes. Um but I I for whatever reason that is not happening uh here. And they had an all an all American double semi final against Madison Keys and Taylor Townsend. So yeah, Americans do well. American women were doing very well this saw in the singles and the doubles. Yeah, Goff does have a shot at uh, you know, at, at the singles and doubles. That would be very it would be amazing if that happens. But as you said, Madenovic and Garcia, that's gonna be quite tough with the uh with the French Open crowd as well.
1: Yeah, and we do have the men's doubles final today as well. A uh, bit of a, I would say, not a random final because there's some real doubles specialists mm. in there, but uh, Ivan Dodik and uh, Krychek, who's the uh, Austin Krychek of America, against Roger, who's a very much a stalwart of the doubles circuit, and Aravalo Gonzalez. So that will be happening after the women's final. A bit of a shame that Joe Salisbury got knocked out, um, I think, in the quarters as did um Neil Skupsky. But um yeah, no British representatives this time round in the men's doubles. But uh yeah, an interesting an interesting lineup with with the two we've got uh in the final.
0: So Kim, before we before this episode is out, we're gonna go and do some more predictions. Terrible predictions. <laughs> Shiontek Goff and the men's doubles final as well. Who've you got and in how many sets?
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go with Roger for the men's doubles and Aravali. Okay. Uh I think that will go three though. A lot of the doubles matches uh have been mm-hmm. going uh three sets. Um so um and then oh, let's do women's doubles. I'm I really want Garcia to win, so <laughs> I'm gonna go for uh, Caroline Garcia and Milodinovic for that one. Women's singles, I guess Schwiontek. Um it's it's kind of should obvious. I should I should I be saying in how many sets or should I be oh, saying Oh sorry in many um games? straight sets six <laughs> I mean if you want me to be specific six three <laughs> six three six one to eager <laughs> the bakery yeah is I, open
0: yeah I, I I uh as much as I want to say golf it's just not I just can't there's not any part of me that can rationally defend that argument. So I'm gonna have to say Shvion She's in two, but I think it'll be a tight to like a, maybe like a seven, six, seven, five, hopefully really? sort of match. Okay. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm backing myself. Maybe. <laughs> well,
1: um, I, I had a shocker with predictions the other day, so I don't know why I'm questioning yours. I mean, what about the men's final? We've alluded to generally what we think is the likely outcome, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Rafa because I think, mm. you know, history is, says that but i i i just i don't want to tempt fate basically but obviously i would love him to win um but it, it could be i think it's going to be tougher i think it'll be tougher than people might expect
0: yeah i i'm going to say nadal in four i think obviously that first set is going to be massive for rude i think yeah there's going to you know you, you feel like if nadal wins a, a like a tough first set 70 minute plus or whatever it feels like you know it could it could be like a seven five six three six three like sort of match but if, if rude wins that first set then I think obviously we've got a game on our hands but yeah I'm, I'm backing Nadal to make history once again and I've got Nadal in four
1: okay well we'll be back uh after the finals <laughs> to review what does what did happen um mm. but Joel we've also got you know Serbiton going on you, you know. saw Andy Murray yes. yesterday so you, you were out um, van on, on the as well. grass. yeah <laughs> the other Coco, um, <laughs> exactly, so that's, exactly, all, exactly. that's all happening. So we will be updating everyone on you know Andy Murray uh, updates as and when. But uh, yeah, did you have a good time out on the grass yesterday? I think you met some of our some of our lovely listeners. You met, yeah. yeah. Shout out to
0: shout out to Caroline, one of our listeners. Had a good chat with. Good chat with her about the uh, the tennis and uh, yeah, great to great to meet listeners of the show. But um, yeah, it was a great match between Murray and Nakashima. I mean, that's a real I think ATP level match. So it was a real kind of bonus I think to see that in a quarterfinal at a, at a challenger event. Um, Murray looking very very good in particular on his serve got him out of trouble, I felt, a, a few times. Also great to see as well, we saw uh, Jodie Burridge versus Buzhanescu. It was a bit of an unfortunate end for, for Buzhanescu because she went a set up um, and then had to retire earlier on in the second set um, to Burridge. So Burridge got through to the, the the semifinals. It was all a bit odd, actually, because there was no kind of yelp in, in pain like Zverev. She, she just sort of turned, did the splits and I think she instantly knew something was wrong because she walked to the she walked to her um, chair, trainer came out, assessment, medical timeout, came back for a few points, but it was just was not happening and uh, offered the handshake to Burrage. So Burridge in the semi-finals, along with, with Roddy Nova, I think, and Coco van der Wey and Alison van utvank So, you know, Coco, I just feel with her experience, surely she's going to be the one. She's the fav, the favourite to, to win of the four left. But uh, yeah, really, really nice day out, really nice tournament. Listeners, if you're, you know, in the UK and you want something a bit different from the, uh, you know, the traditional events, I certainly think the Surbiton than Trophy is a, a nice one to to have a look at. It's so great, I think, to just get up up and close to all the action. There is a there is obviously a show court, but you can really get close to to some of the players. And as I said, there are some high profile players there who've, you know, been been there, done that. Um, you know, Coco Vanderwey was on on the outside courts, and she was yeah she's been in the US open grand slam semi finals so it was amazing to to see these players up close and it's a very nice and, and chilled and and friendly atmosphere so uh, yeah i would recommend if you uh, ever get the opportunity
1: yeah the center court also is is massive in the sense they've got all this yeah. open space around it it's um yeah it's it's interesting but yeah it's a lovely little tournament um well, i've always enjoyed going there so definitely recommend it but um yeah we'll be back on sunday evening to catch up on all the finals action from this weekend at Roland Garros and see what Andy Murray can do down in Surbiton as well.
0: Yes, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest episode of The Passing Shot. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
1: And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Let us know any queries, comments or feedback that you may have. And if you prefer, you can reach us via email as well, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk.
0: And we will be back on Sunday evening at Parsley Shot HQ for our finals catch up, our final round by round of Roland Garros. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon.